I want to give a quick sermon before the sermon, if you will. In James chapter 5, it says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. There's one little phrase. If any among you, is anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Um, this is a ministry that we fail to make known to you all. Now, at the same time, there in verse 14, it's telling the reader, it's telling you if, to pursue the elders for prayer, but we want you to know that if you are sick or spouse or children or if you just have something heavy, heavy upon your heart, the elders would love to pray for you. Several, my wife will tell you, and so she would happily come up here and, and tell everyone. Several years ago, she was going through a, just a tough time in her heart, just some emotional stuff, some anxious stuff that was kind of tripping her up along the way. And I said, baby, why don't you come in and have the elders pray for you? And so she did, and we had, she had a great time with the elders, and they laid hands on her and prayed for her. And there was no magical healing in that moment, but there was just a real sense of thankfulness and um, maybe she would nod in her head. She, would, she puts a lot into that of, of the elders praying for her that night. Um, most of you know that a little over a year ago, she was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. And praise God, we're through it all and everything at this point is fine. But that particular day, she got the phone call that said, yes, it's cancer. We had an elder team meeting that night. I said, babe, why don't you come? And she came, and we gathered around her, and we prayed for her in some instances. And I'm not so sure any of us know exactly what this means. In some instances, we anoint with oil. We'll take a little bit of oil, and we'll rub it on your forehead because that's what God says, whether it's forehead or not, but, but we'll pray. And we, I just, I saw a prayer request this week, and I thought, I wish, I'd love for them to come in. And so I grabbed this particular couple this morning, and I said, I'd love for you all to think about coming in and letting the elders pray. And I want all of you to know that that ministry is available to you. Just give us a call or shoot us an email, and we will make it happen whether it's at our next scheduled meeting or if we need to get together for some special occasion like that. I want you to know that we would love to pray for you. Well, February 6th is coming soon. Wednesday, February 6th, and you all know that we're launching these Wednesday evenings at Redeemer. Uh, 
RSM, our student ministry, meets on Wednesday evenings already, every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. But on February 6th, we're launching uh, Team Kid for all of our kids. Lauren Grossman and her team will be having a great ministry for them from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, same time that the students meet. And at the same time, we'll be offering some things for our adults. One of those is the Regen Ministry. Spent a lot of time on that a couple of weeks ago. If you weren't here and if you didn't hear that sermon, please go online and listen to that sermon. Um, I think it'll give you a good idea for what this ministry is. And in my church-wide emails, which I goofed up on Friday, I failed to click the group of you all that it was meant to go to, so it only went to a handful of you, but I sent it again last night, my regular Friday email, so all of you should have it that are on our email list. I've got on there the link for that Regen sermon. I also have on there a very powerful video that I showed that morning. Take a look at that, because it may be a ministry where you go, that, that sounds awesome. I want to be there for me, but also then for the sake of of others. And so Regen will be starting on February 6th. And we're very thankful that that original, that, that first team is coming together, but there is still room, both for men or for women, to join that Regen pilot group. But Regen is certainly, it can't work for all of us this year. As I said in that sermon a couple of weeks ago, I hope over the next several years, every single one of us will go through Regen, myself included. But we're also offering Faith and Family Matters. This will be a class offered in both English and in Spanish, and it's just to come alongside husbands and wives and dads and moms to talk about the issues of marriage and parenting and finances and raising our kids up in the discipline of the Lord and the like. But there's also another group. We're calling it the Boiler Room. And it is a place for those of you who say, you know what, Regen doesn't work for me this year, and the Faith and Family Matters class, that one doesn't sound good for me either. There is another place that you can come on Wednesday nights, and I would love for you to, and it's the Boiler Room. It's a prayer a time of prayer. Charles Haddon Spurgeon is one of my heroes. He was a, came to faith in, in Jesus at the age of 15, preached his first sermon at the age of 16, took his first pastorate at the age of 17. By the age of 20, he was the pastor at New Park Street Baptist Church in London. And years later, they transitioned it from New Park Street Baptist. They built the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church there in London, and he pastored there for many, many years. Uh, he is known as the Prince of Preachers. Nobody, it, it seems, could preach like Spurgeon. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who were part of his church, and then his sermons would be um, written and printed and go all over the world, and we're talking about in the 1800s. He started Spurgeon's College when he was in his 20s as a place for young men to come and to be trained up in Bible and theology and ministry. He started an orphanage 
that would take in young boys there in London who were without their parents and more. He was a productive guy, to say the least. But oftentimes people would come to see the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church. They were fascinated by it. And when given an opportunity, he would take people down into the basement where the boiler room was. And, he would, and that was the place where people gathered for corporate prayer. It wasn't the boiler room itself, but that's what he called it. Because that's where God's people, as a part of that church, at particular times would gather to pray. I'm not old enough to remember those boiler rooms themselves, but they would heat up and they would create the steam and the steam which would power the heating systems, the machines, and the like in those days and even hours in some places. One guy said they were, these boiler rooms were functional. They were dirty. They were hot. Often tucked away in the basement. And he went on to say, likewise, Spurgeon saw the prayers of his people as the spiritual power behind his preaching and the ministry of his church. And that's why he told his fellow pastors, brethren, we shall never see such change for the bet- much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. We have small groups of men who pray Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday here at Redeemer. Some of you men may not even know that, and the timing may not work for you at all. But if it does, and if you would like to be a part of it, on Monday, Steve Drenth and Justin Pfeiffer meet here at 6 a.m. to pray for about 30 minutes. On Tuesday, Forrest Bierkus, um, Greg Smith, Greg Jackson, Derek Sensenig, and myself We meet here from 6 to 6.30 to pray. On Wednesdays, Matt Williamson and Aaron Doe and Chris Long and Kale Kibbe meet here to pray. And on Thursdays, um, John Stevens and Hank Luhrmann meet from 6 to 6.30 to pray. And those groups are open. Any of you men are welcome to come and join us. Um, The coffee is usually hot. You bring your own coffee. We've got a little coffee maker in there too. And we visit for just a bit and then we pray. We ask God's blessing upon the men and women, boys and girls of our church, the ministry of our church, and the like. We have a group that gathers, our missions team gathers about once a month to pray for the unreached and unengaged Kavarshin. It's a people group in the Caucasus region of Russia. They are unreached with the gospel and unengaged with the gospel, other than the fact that Redeemer Community Church prays for them, that God would send the gospel to those people and a church would be planted. Randy Long has just helped us recently with the January prayer calendar. Thought I had it with me, but I don't. You can pick one of those up on the little table right out there. It's just little things each and every day for you to pray about. We have the seven marks that we talk about around here. Seven marks of a mature disciple of Christ. We seek God, love others, pursue holiness, um, 
serve the church, steward our resources, share the gospel, and multiply disciples. Well, on Sunday, you pray for seek God. You pray for the men, women, boys, and girls of Redeemer that we would seek God. On, on Monday, you pray for love others. On Tuesday, you pray for pursue holiness. She's also got a verse on there to think about to drive your prayers as well as missionaries that we support for you to pray. And so pick up one of those calendars. But the boiler room will be another opportunity to gather on Wednesday evenings with brothers and sisters and to seek the Lord. If you have your Bible, I just want to show you a handful of verses and go to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you've just got a phone, you can pull it up on your phone, would be just fine. We're going to look at a handful of texts in the book of Acts, and then I'm going to have you flip through a bit in Paul's epistles as well. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he is giving his final instructions to the disciples. Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times of the epics. Here's what I want you to know. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. And then he ascended into heaven. And they went back to Jerusalem just like he had told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 15, or 13. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So the, here is an, here's just a picture of the brothers and sisters coming together to seek the Lord with one mind. Did they all have their individual prayer lives? Surely, no doubt. But also they would come together, continually devoting themselves to prayer with one mind. In chapter 2, in accordance with the promise of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. And, three th and Peter preaches and 3,000 people believe. And in verse 41 and following, we get the picture, this beautiful picture of the early church. Maybe you've heard, we want to be an Acts 2 church. Well, what do people mean when they say they want to be an Acts 2 church? They, they mean verse 41 and following. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Same word, continually devoting themselves in chapter 1. Continually devoting themselves here in chapter 2. To the teaching of God's word. To the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. And to prayer. They would come together and they would, they would pray. Flip over in chapter 4. If you know the story, in chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame man. And as a result of that miracle, the crowds come running and Peter begins to preach Jesus. And in chapter 4, the leadership in Jerusalem don't like that. And they take Peter and John, they arrest them and bring them in, 
in whose name did you do this? They said, in the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. And those leaders conferred together, what do we do with these men? If we don't do something about them, they're going to fill this city with their teaching. Let's go out and let's warn them that they have to stop preaching in this name. So in verse 16 of chapter 4, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. When they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened when they threatened them further. Don't preach in this name anymore. Hey, listen, we have to. Don't preach in this name anymore or else. Verse 23. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Back in verse chapter 1, it was of one mind. Here, of one accord. It's, it's more than one. It's corporate prayer. It's brothers and sisters coming together of one mind, of one accord, and seeking God. And their wonderful prayer of praise to God and asking not that He take away their persecutions, but that God, in verse 29, would fill them with confidence. And God answered their prayer down in verse 31. He gave them boldness. A couple more over in chapter 12. As the gospel in the book of Acts continues to have its way, continues to spread, as it's right on the verge of launching out and going further into Gentile territory, as we're going to take this gospel, as Jesus said, to the remotest parts of the earth, Satan at every turn is trying to stop it. And in chapter 12, he gives it his best shot. Chapter 12, now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. This is the first of the apostles to go down. James is dead. This is one of the sons of thunder. And he's just been put to death with a sword. And when he saw it please the Jews, when Herod saw that the, the unbelieving Jews were happy about this, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. It was during the days of, a, of unleavened bread when, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people, and all the commentators agree, in order to kill him too. So James is dead, Peter's in prison, and it won't be long for him either. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. 
the church was gathering to pray. We see it over in verse 11. Peter is miraculously released from this imprisonment and, 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 and he's going to find his brothers and sisters in the Lord to tell them. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Many were gathered together. Again, surely they all had their private prayer lives. But as we're seeing over and over and over again in, in, in the early church, they got together. They, get, they didn't get together just to share a meal and just to have Bible study. They got together to pray. One more in chapter 13. By the way, at the beginning of chapter 12, James is dead, Peter's in prison, and Herod is, if you will, on a rampage. By the end of chapter 12, Peter is released, Herod is dead. In chapter 12, verse 24, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. The word of God was on a rampage. God can flip it in an instant. And in this case, he did in response to his people's prayers. Verse thir chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius, Cyrene, and Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So again, over and over and over again, the church gathered to pray. Show you a few just scattered throughout Paul's letters. Look over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So, kind of have to find that one first and second. Tim, or, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st Thess, and then 2nd Thess. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. August 2008, when I was called to be the pastor here, the first sermon I preached was on 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. And it, it became... That sermon, I then said, listen, guys, I'm going to be here at the church for the next 14 days from 6 a.m. to 6.30 praying. Come and join me. And so for 14 days, groups of men would come, and we would pray from 6 to 6.30. And at the end of those 14 days, I said, okay, man, if you would, pick one day that you can come. And now for 10 years, groups of men, not, not every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but most Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for the last 10 years, there have been those small groups of men who have gathered to pray for Redeemer. Finally, brethren, Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also 
with you. Paul is calling upon the church to pray. Actually, you, won't, you don't need to turn to these, but if, if you'd like to take notes, you can. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes to the Romans and encourages them to be devoted to prayer. And in chapter 15 of Romans, he tells them to agonize in prayer with him. I'll read that one to you. Now, I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive together. Uh, it's soon agon- agonizomai. Agonize. Soon with. Agonize. Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me so that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. In Ephesians 6, we're all aware of the great armor of God which we are given. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In the context of the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, one of the things we're meant to do is pray for all the saints. In Colossians 4, written maybe just before or after Ephesians. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Some of these certainly can be understood as individual calls to prayer for you and me to take time to spend in devoted prayer. At the same time, these letters were written to churches. And so let's pretend that we were the church in Colossae and this letter arrived from the Apostle Paul and one of the elders stood up to read this letter. Devote yourselves to prayer. It's a plural command. He's calling upon the church in Colossae to pray. Of course, 1 Timothy 2, that we are the church to pray for kings and all who are in authority. All of that, and you didn't need all of that, but all of that reminds us of the important place prayer needs to have in the ministry of Redeemer. It is at its core, I think, an expression of dependence 
upon God. That we recognize the nature of our work. That it is beyond our abilities. It is spiritual, not natural. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 said, though we walk according to the flesh, you know, we, we live in our body and we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not according to the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What you and I are trying to do as followers of Jesus who help others do the same is a spiritual work. Whether it's greeting at the door, teaching in a Sunday school class, leading in worship, preaching a message, it is beyond our abilities to bear the fruit. If you said to me, Mitch, move that table, kick. If you said, Mitch, move his heart, can't do it. If I said to you, a Sunday school teacher, hey, can you rearrange the toys in here to make them more accessible to the kids? Boop, 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 boop. Hey, can you grant the light of the gospel in that kid's heart? Absolutely beyond your control. There is this mystery that we are co-workers with God, and so we preach, and we teach, and we get down on the floor with those little kiddos, and we open up the Bible with them, and we share the stories, and we talk to them about Jesus. That's all part of it. But at the end of the day, God's got to move. Our work is resisted by the devil. We saw it last week and briefly this morning. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our struggle to what? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Remember that? Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, our divine calling. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, the Christian's walk. And it starts in 4.1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And then walk in unity, walk in love, walk in holiness, walk in um, wisdom. One other one, I think, and then he gets to chapter 6. Stand. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our Christian life, and even chapter in, in the later parts of chapter 6 with that spiritual armor and taking up the sword of the Spirit and praying that we might be bold with the gospel, the life we live and the ministry we seek is opposed. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. 
we're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. We need Christ. Apart from Jesus, the testimony of Scripture is that our hearts are dead to God and they need God to bring them life. And that we need to be brought to repentance and that that is an act of God of his mercies towards us. The changing of lives, the ministry that all of us are seeking to be a part of here at Redeemer. I sure hope you are. I sure hope you're, you're trying to be a part of what we're trying to do. I hope you're jumping in to serve. And can, let me just say, I didn't intend to say this, but it just, there it is. So maybe it's from the Lord, maybe it's not. Lauren Grossman has just come on as our kids' ministry director. She don't know any of y'all. She don't know the culture around here. She doesn't know a whole bunch of you all. She's doing the best she can. What she needs, though, more than anything is, is for you all, at least in these early days when she's trying to figure it all out, to come alongside her and say, how can I help? How can I help? I'm telling you, we have some needs in kids' ministry, both in the 9.15 hour and in the 10.30 hour, and she's going to have needs on Wednesday nights as well for Team Kid. And if you're going, you know what? We're not serving around here anyway. Where can we serve? And if you're saying, listen, I ain't going to serve in kids' ministry. That's the last thing I would ever want to do. Okay, you don't have to. But maybe some of you are going, you know what? We're not serving around here anywhere. And yeah, we can serve in kids' ministry. Grab her. Shoot her an email. Give her a call. But having said that, I hope you're all a part of what we're trying to do around here. And it is heart work. It is soul work. It is, if you will, affection work. It's trying to What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second? To love your neighbor as yourself. That's affection for God. Affection for others. And listen, you and I, you can't reach into my heart and I can't reach into yours. What we can do is minister the word of God to each other and pray for each other. We must have God. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not wise enough. We can build the most beautiful boat. We can even raise the most beautiful sails. But if the wind doesn't blow, it's going nowhere. And prayer is an opportunity to ask God to send the wind. I'll share just a few quotes and then we'll go. Ian Bounds wrote lots on prayer. Prayer honors God, acknowledges His being, exalts His power, adores His promise, providence, 
and secures his aid. It honors him. Why? Because we're turning to him. We're admitting we don't have it. He does. And it honors him. Samuel Chadwick, this one has scared me for years and still does. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who coined his church's prayer meetings, the boiler room, he said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. And he said this, prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell. For they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man or woman who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continually with all his might. Which one am I? Which one are you? This isn't me. By God's grace, I'll play my, maybe my little part. I think of, she don't want me to say this, but I think of Randy Long. Andrew Murray said, the man, the woman, who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. Whether he's right or wrong, you might want to make the call. But mobilizing the Christian church to pray. And so I'm asking you, as we've been talking about February 6th, and you've said, oh, Regen, sounds great, but not for me. Oh, faith and family matters, eh. Oh, the boiler room prayer meeting? I ain't going to no prayer meeting. Would you give it a shot? If Regen's not for you right now, if faith and family matters is not for you right now, maybe you could serve with Team Kid. That'd be awesome. That'd be really awesome. We could visit with Craig. Maybe there's some ways you could serve in RSM from 6.30 to 8. But you could also come and pray. You could also come and pray. You say, Mitch, I don't, I don't even know how to pray. What a great opportunity to learn. You don't have to say a word if you come. You say, Mitch, I'm, I'm afraid to pray in public. You don't have to pray in public. You just come. And you pray in the quietness of your heart. And as you listen to others pray, you just, yes, Lord, would you do that? Yes. You just agree with them in prayer. 
going to be a time to praise God for who he is. So there'll be a time just to praise, a time to quietly confess your sins to the God who loves to forgive. A time to thank God for what he has done. A time to intercede on behalf of others to pray for each other. To pray for these marks of maturity that we would be a people who seek God and who love others and pursue holiness and serve the church and steward our resources and share the gospel and multiply disciples. We're going to pray for those kind of things. To pray for the ministries of Redeemer. Come together. We'll pray for kids' ministry and student ministry and men's ministry and women's ministry and to pray for local and global missions efforts of Redeemer. God, right? What would you have us do? I think about Acts chapter 13. I think those leaders had probably been thinking about where else the gospel was meant to go next, but they, they were seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. And he said, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work I have. We're seeking him for what might be next. And so, come to the boiler room. Not this Wednesday but next Wednesday. Some of you will be in Regen. Wonderful. Some of you will be in the Faith and Family Matters class. Awesome. I'm hopeful that some of you as well will come to the boiler room and will pray. One mind, one accord, continually devoted, striving together for Redeemer and the glory of God. Let's pray. Oh God, might you do it. Might you revive us. That we would so long for you. We would so long for love. We would so long for holiness. We would long for prayer. God, would you send the wind and so bear fruit through our Sundays? through our groups, through, through Wednesdays, through Tuesday morning women's study and Friday morning men's study and this, that, and the other, all these things that we've got going, Lord. Would you send the wind into our sails and take us? Would you bear much fruit in people coming to faith in Jesus in in growth, in spiritual maturity, in equipping for life and ministry. Oh God, we need you. We need you. Lord, we continue to pray for Regen that you would raise up just the right pilot group for this year. 
pray for Team Kid on Wednesday nights as that gets going, that it'll be a special time of fun for those kiddos, but of great growth in the Lord. Pray for Craig and his team working with our students, that you would bless them and use them. We thank you for your great, great love for us. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? What shall separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. We rest in that and we rejoice in that. And we go forth today to joyfully follow Christ, to help others do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.